0: Scripture. God's Word is here to continually remind us of His promises, of His presence, even as uh, the Lord speaks through His servants. Those words are meant to edify and to encourage us in the midst of the battles as we uh, We're hearing the words being read to us from the Scriptures here just before the song, realizing that we all go through difficult times. I know I've said it before, but God never promised us that this this world would be easy for us. He said you're going to have trials. You're going to have difficulties. You're going to have struggles. But in the midst of the struggle in the midst of the difficulty in the midst of the trial he is present he is with us another in the fire was the representation of jesus christ being present with the three hebrew children as they stood their ground in the midst of an oppressive Society that wanted everyone to bow and kneel to a false God. And today we we stand in the midst of a society that continues to want us to bow, to give honor, to things that have no value to this life. And we must stand in the midst of persecution, in the midst of trials, in the midst of difficulties we must stand for what is right and there'll be another standing with us he says I will never leave you nor forsake you he is with us he is with you some of you in the midst of a fire right now. He is with you. In your greatest moment of weakness, His strength has sustained you. Lean into Him and He will empower you to get through it. His word says, "Declares, be still and know that I am God." It is not a be still and no activity. It is stop trying to do this in your own strength and ability, and let me show up. He is here. He is present. You're not alone. that one more time. If you're in the midst of a difficult time right now in your life, if you're in the midst you feel like the fire, in the midst of the flood, whatever it is, I'm just going to invite you to come. Find a place to worship here at the altar and then after a few moments we'll come and join you in prayer and pray that God would strengthen you, that He would reveal to you that that another is with you in the midst of your struggle. But I just invite you to step out in faith and see what God will do. Meet Him at the altar here. you god leading you come you feel god leading you come right now worship team is finishing up this song if you feel god leading you step out and pray for someone here just as we prepare to close on this worship time don't sit back if god's leading you just go and pray for someone right now
1: Battle, Hallelujah. Because I know that's where you'll be.
0: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I love that that verse there. It says, I'll count the joy come every battle. See, that's the choice that we have in this whole thing. We can't control a lot of other things that are going on, but we get to count the joy come every battle. Because there is joy unspeakable and full of glory in the midst of even our greatest pain. He is there, He is continuing to work and to show Himself faithful on our behalf. Not everything is going to go right in life, not everything is going to be fair. But he is always going to be present. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, worship team. You may be seated, church. Just a quick little commercial before we get going, and that is a reminder for all of you who are able to stay and help with our VBS setup and preparation. Uh, That's going to be happening right after service today. And uh, so I just invite you all to stay after and be part. And if you have time this week to serve, um, Christina can use you in an area, even if you may only have two nights. If you give her two nights, there are things that you you can do um, for two nights. I know uh, JP is serving a couple nights because he's at the firehouse for several, and so uh, he's serving and working in games on a couple nights. So... Those nights that he is not there, there there's needs to be a fill-in in those areas. So um, 6.30 to 8.30 is the time of the VBS. So um, you could talk to Christina right after we're done. Get that set up for you. Then I'm gonna. I'd like you to watch this this little video clip. It's about a school of ministry uh, that Pastor Nancy and myself, along with several other Open Bible ministers, are in the process of starting here uh, this fall. And um, this just gives you a little clip on it. So go ahead and play it. Amen. So we are starting a campus in um, the Dayton area. Actually, it's going to be over at Generations Church in, in uh, Clayton right off of uh, Route 40. And uh, it's going to go on Monday nights, starting in September. Um, the classes run about nine weeks. Um, then you'll have a week or two off to between them. Um, and it'll go for uh, an entire year of uh, being able to be equipped and trained. And it's very simple. It is very um, uh, passionate, and um, uh, in the time, in the two-hour section of time that you come together, uh, about an hour of it is teaching time, and an hour of it is discussion time, and that teaching time is actually broken down in segments so that then you're discussing it. Uh, it is a great program. We uh, uh, we have been looking as a, a, a district, uh, uh, Pastor Nancy is the district director for uh, Open Bible in this area. Uh, this is a district function that we are sponsoring and we're working with our our Pacific Region Open Bible Churches who have put this together they're in their third year of this uh program and so it is uh it is a very functional program it is being very effective in in equipping people in areas of ministry and so we're going to bring that uh to you this year, and if you'd like to be part on it, uh, part of it, let me know. Um, I think the total cost is a hundred dollars roughly per class, um, and that'll cover over the full nine weeks. Um, so it's it's affordable and it will give you some great... Uh, this first class is Foundations. So it gives you that, that solid foundation that will help you to be able to not only understand uh, the different aspects about Open Bible and wh- what we believe, but also gives you some of those basic understandings of what it means to be uh, a follower of Jesus. So I want you to uh, be paying attention to that. We're going to have more information in the weeks ahead. Um, But it's uh, end of September is the start time on that. So um, short amount of of time, we met yesterday with uh, Chris Hansler, who is the director of the Pacific Region Discover School. And uh, we really have all the things in place that we need to to launch, and we're going to do that starting here in September. It'll be on Mondays, and it'll be a great time. So I'm excited about it, and I hope you will participate in it. It's just going to be a great area, um, and it's going to lead to some other things down the road for those that are seeking areas of ministry, helping prepare and equip them uh, for areas of ministry. And so for those of you are interested, come talk to myself or Pastor Nancy, and we could give you the information that you need, and there's some great benefits on that. So all right, today I want to talk to you about why are you hiding? How many of you were here last week here in our young people share? Wasn't that great? <laughs> they they shared roughly for two hours. If you missed it, it is on the app, um, and so you can listen to that uh, on the website or on the app. But let me just share one of the things that I find to be pretty consistent every time we have an event such as this our our young people come back and they they're excited they share their experience and it is um how many of you have ever seen a fire hose being turned on full splash i mean it can literally lift you out of your seat you know it it'll knock you over there's so much there's so much power because it's meant to do a purpose, right? It's not like you're watering your garden. You don't go out there and water a garden with a fire hose. Well, most people don't. Um, but what we get when our young people come through is you get this fire hose experience of everything that they've uh, experienced. And many times it's unfiltered. Uh, it, you just, it is so raw because, number one, they haven't trained on how to communicate they're giving you their are as best as they can how they understand what happened to them at camp and sometimes it's overwhelming if you've never been to a church camp it can be an amazing spiritual experience um, and there are things that you will have being revealed to you during that time it's like wow god can you just slow down a little bit so i can catch up but It's not an issue of God slowing down to catching up. It's us just continuing to walk with Him. Because sometimes we want to try to understand everything all at once, and God says, just walk with me. Eventually, you're going to understand this a little better as we go. But you're never going to fully understand all of it. I've been walking with God for a long time, and I still don't understand all the different ways that God moves and works. It just—it still blows my mind that God works the way He does. So I want to encourage you that God is working, and and that that message last re- re- week really challenged me. It always does. It um, it pushes me in my own faith. It it challenges me to live differently, to walk differently, and uh, and that really is what led me to today on this message. And and one of the things that I. I found consistent through the teachings of Jesus throughout the Gospels as he had this message that he kept uh, projecting to his disciples. And, and I have recorded for you um, there just all the different references and we're going to quickly go through them. Starting in Matthew 4.19, Jesus said, Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for men. Matthew 19:21 Jesus said if you want to be perfect go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven then come follow me Mark one seventeen. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for men. Mark 10.21, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told them. Go and sell your possessions, give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Luke 6.47 says, I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me. Listen to my teachings, then follow it. Luke 9:59 says he said to another person, "Come, follow me." The man agreed, but he said, "Lord, first let me return home to bury my father." Luke 18, 22, and then Jesus heard his answer and he said, there is still one thing you haven't done. See, sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. John 1, 43, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come, follow me. This message is consistent. Jesus would invade the life of an individual in the midst of, of their work, in the midst of whatever they were doing, and then he would say, Listen, come follow me. I have something for you to do. Many of you were that way. You were were exposed to the knowledge of Jesus Christ in a situation, and you felt this call from God to come follow Jesus, and you responded. The challenge to come follow was essentially come out of hiding come out of hiding you have to understand that god knew all of you before you knew him (laughs) scripture says that he knew you from the foundations of the world that he knew you while you were in your in the womb that he had relationship with you so the issue that we're dealing with really is for us coming back to an awareness of who god is because god knows us he knows you by name now, I know that it is difficult in a church setting when you are not around everybody on a daily basis for you to always know their names. How many of you have encountered somebody in this church today that you did not know their name? Okay. Did you ask it? Or did you just keep talking and hope that no one will you know, give you a quiz on what their name was? One of the things that I make it a practice of doing is when someone comes into church is I get their name. Because it is my desire to call them by name. I want to be able to address them. I figure since God found it to be so important to know somebody's name, I probably should too. (laughs) I should know somebody's name. And I work on it. So I record those things in my phone and then throughout the week I'm praying over those names and I'm saying them so that it's my desire that I know them when they come back. Now it's not always easy and sometimes I set my phone down and I'll meet someone new and they'll tell me their name and I I realize I'm only 52 but as soon as I get back to my chair it's like oh my goodness what was their name? So I'm running through and I'm trying to record it back and, you know, and, and sometimes I have to go back and, and find out again what that is. But the issue is God knew their name. God knows your name. And the whole call of God is to bring you out of a place of hiding. And as I was thinking about that this week, God really draw, drew my attention to one individual who He called out of hiding And I'd like to read the the passage for us today. It's out of the book of Judges, chapter 6, verses 1 through 12. Judges 6, 1 through 12. We'll have it up on the screen for you. I know if you have the sheet of paper, you see that we have a boatload of blank spots. Lord willing, I will give you every one of them. If not, you can see me later and I'll give it to you. Because some of them, I am almost certain, even in your best guesses, you will not fill them in. But that's all right. So, picking up at verse 1, it says, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. So it was, whenever Israel had sown... So Midianites would come up, also Amalekites and people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza, and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. But they and their camels were without number, and they would enter the land and destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Verse 7 And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, and that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel, who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you, and drove them out before, out before you, and gave you their land. Also I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed My voice. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Aborazrite, while his son Gideon thrust wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Let's pray. Father, help us to understand what your Word is saying to us today, that it may challenge us, that it may change us, that it may transform us to become who you've called us to be. We ask for this in your name. Amen. To give you a little bit of background here, the children of Israel had a bad practice of going into bad habits, going into past failures, going into past lifestyles. God had delivered the children of Israel out of slavery, out of bondage. It was a tremendous event. Everyone that was present here knew the stories about how God had delivered them. And the children of Israel had gone through this cycle of life where God would deliver them and then the children for a period of time would walk and serve God and obey His voice. But they would go back to their old ways. They would go back to their old ways and God would turn them over to the the destructive peoples of that land, And those people would oppress them for a period of time. And then the children of Israel would cry out to God again. And God would come back in and rescue and say, Listen, did I not tell you to walk in obedience? Did I not tell you not to serve their gods? Did I not show you that I would be faithful to honor my word if you would do that which I had set before you? The children of Israel would agree, yes, God, you said all those things. <laughs> and so God would come in and he would send a prophet to bring them a message. The, the book of Judges is, is this series of stories of situations where the children of Israel had been going in and out of this process of obedience and, and disobedience and God raising up a judge, a prophet, to bring the message to the people. And so, even though it may be discouraging for us to read at times, it is a great example for us to look at maybe even ourselves, to see ourselves in the book of Judges. How many of you have ever walked with God and then did not for a period of time? Okay. I, I am sure that we all have those moments that we were passionate for god and then all of a sudden we hadn't read our bible for a week or two or a month we we did things that we didn't that we used to do and and god had convicted us of those things we had gone away from them but now we're doing them again because we're not walking with god as passionately as we did back then And so we are being turned over to some of those things, and they are bringing destruction. Verse 1 said, You know, it says that the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. That really falls into us in that same position. Every time that we decide to do something that violates the word of God, what God has told us to do, or what God has told us not to do. Every time we do those things, we are doing evil in the sight of the Lord. So that's why this book is so appropriate for us. Because we can place ourselves in that position where God is speaking to us. And we can even see some of the the destruction that has come upon us because of our disobedience. And then... When we get to that point where we're exhausted and we've come to the end of ourselves, just like verse 7 says, it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord that the Lord sent a prophet. See, it is, our, it is that attitude of crying out to God, of repentance, that opens the door for God to come back. Now, I found this to be interesting. In verse number 11, it says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Oprah. He came and sat there. The angel of the Lord came and hung out for a period of time. Now, when you get into the, the, uh, the original language, this, this verse communicates to us that there was a period of observation. He was watching the life of Gideon for a period of time. He observed him. And after a period of time, we're not told how long, then the the angel decided to speak. And he says, The Lord is with you, mighty man of hour. Now, the preceding portion says that Gideon threshed wheat in the wine press, in order to hide it from the Midianites. So, something that was apparently, you know, appallingly obvious here is it should be known that Gideon was doing threshing in the wrong place. Gideon was threshing out the wheat in the wine press. Now, it was given that name because what was done there? press wine uh, they 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 didn't make they, they tried not to make it too complicated back then in the scriptures there are they speak of the wine press and they speak of the threshing floor now the threshing floor was the place that they would thresh out the wheat it, it is where the wheat was was uh taken and worked with to to gain the seed, the the, the meat from the weed itself, and then the chaff would be blown away. So it was done, and let me just share just this little bit. It separates the two, but I want you to hear the spiritual significance of these two areas. The threshing floor is a large flat rock with a thin covering of hard soil situated on top of a hill for exposure to the wind because the wind was part of the threshing process. Harvested wheat was placed there. A large piece of wood or stone would be dragged over the wheat to thresh it out. Then the mixture of the chaff and grain would be tossed into the wind using a winnowing fork and the wind would literally blow away the chaff leaving behind the grain. So it was a process to bring about that which was necessary to eat to use the grain the wine press though was a giant hollowed out rock usually in a low lying area where the grapes would were brought stamped out with feet to release the juice to make the wine the biblical significance of the threshing floor and the wine press the threshing floor is, floor is a place of cleansing and separation Cleansing and separation. Matthew 3.12 says that He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with His winnowing fork. Then He will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into His barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. The, the threshing floor, floor, when it is spoken of in Scripture, is this process of cleansing and of separation. It is getting out the things that are of no value so that what is left, God can use. The wine press, though, is a place of wrath and judgment. Wrath and judgment. Revelation 14.9 says, "...so the angel swung his sickle over the earth and loaded the grapes into the great wine press of God's wrath. The wine press was, it was an entirely different process because it was, it was requiring the work of man to accomplish um, something to, to basically to destroy the grape and its husk and all the processes of it to bring it to a place of something that was usable. But it was done in a very low-lying area. See, the eyes of those on the threshing floor are focused upward on the wind and its effect on the grain. They're focused upward. And you can see the, the diametrically opposed positions here of these two of the wine press and the threshing floor. So the threshing floor your your focus is upward and the wine press your focus downward. You're looking you're looking at your feet. You're making sure you're stepping on every grape. Over and over you you want to demolish them. You want to uh, completely annihilate those grapes so that what is left is this liquid that brings us to our reluctant hero our reluctant hero god was calling out gideon he observed him he watched him for a period of time gideon was hiding (laughs) he was fearful he had been oppressed We already understand from the earlier passage that the Midianites and the people of the East and the Amalekites, they they were coming in and they said they swarms like locusts. If you've ever seen a a swarm of locusts in that area, it it is so thick, literally, um, you can't see through it. And that's what it felt like for the children of Israel. They said that the Amalekites and the, uh, uh, and the Midianites and the people of the east were coming in in such large numbers with all of their animals and all the people. And they were t- sapping everything of, of nutrient from the ground. They were stealing their crops. And the people of, of Israel were, were overwhelmed And they began to do things instead of living out in in public, they were building homes in caves and stuff like that. They were hiding. They were living as these uh, these men of fear. (laughs) See, that's the the amazing thing is God had rescued them from the, the hand of Israel and Delivered them in such amazing ways. Parted the the sea that they could all walk across on dry land. You you have these these great things that God had done and now they are living in fear. I found such significance of that for us today. There are are times that God has delivered us from some uh, overwhelming situation and then... Somebody scares us, something scares us, and we start walking in fear. We start living in fear. And God was calling Gideon out. He said, listen, Gideon, it's time for you to come out. And I love it, he says, "O oh, mighty man of valor. He was in hiding. <laughs> but God didn't call him for how he was acting. He called him for how he saw him. God said, O mighty man of valor. God wanted Gideon to face the enemy. Gideon was worried about his stuff being taken. God wanted him others focused. (laughs) Gideon was just worried about being able to save enough wheat to feed his family. God had a bigger plan for him. Gideon was focused on what he couldn't do. God wanted him to just do what he could. See, we look at some of the challenges that we are faced with today, and the first thing we start evaluating is whether or not we can with our necessary resources and we start listing off all the reasons we can't do it because of our inability in these areas we give excuses how many of you have ever given excuse for why you can't do something okay god wants you to know he wants you to focus on what you can do with the gifts and talents that you have see looking at the threshing floor and the wine press again, the threshing floor does not depend on man's strength. Oxen do the threshing. And the wind does the winnowing. But in the wine press, the wine press is dependent on man's strength and endurance. The wine press is dependent on man's strength. It is, it is a process that is done through... You know, a man just, or man or woman just walking around smashing, and it is a long, endurious process. As I was looking at this and I read through some different things on it, it talked about in our low places, our hideouts, we forget who we are. <laughs> when you are hiding, you forget who you are. Gideon was no mighty man of valor in his own eyes. But he was sent by God. Mighty hero in God's eyes. See, many of our problems, our, our dire circumstances, our dilemmas are of our own making. How many of you have ever gotten yourself into a problem? A sticky situation. Yet you made something worse because you showed up. Or you tried to do it in your own strength or ability. Okay. I am guilty of that too many times. When you look at many of the problems that we deal with uh, in our current life, unfortunately, we are the common denominator. We create the problem because we try to do it in our own strength and ability. We try to do it without the wisdom and benefits that God has given to us. We take on things that God never intended us to do. See, hiding just results in judgment. When you are a person who lives in hiding all the time, judgment will come upon you. Where does it come from? Well, we judge ourselves. First off, then others judge us, and then evil finds us again and again. See, this process creates this trap when we are living in hiding from becoming who God has called us to be. See, God has a greater picture in mind for you than you have for yourself. But if you live in a position where you are hiding all the time, you will start judging yourself because of all the things that you start noticing about yourself that you don't like. See, when you're you're in hiding, all of your focus is inward. All you can do is focus on yourself. And then you start judging yourself and realize, man, I don't like this and I don't like that. (laughs) But God didn't want you to live in hiding. See, and then all those people that are seeing you because let's be honest sometimes it's us trying to hide behind this like this tree and we got people you got a portion of you standing out on either side because it's a thin tree Um, and everybody knows we're hiding it's like those little kids that come up to you and and they say they're hiding and they cover their eyes have you ever seen a kid do that that's the way we are with God we're hiding we cover our eyes and we think that nobody else can see us but everybody sees us and the, those others around us are making fun of us. They're speaking about us because it's like, what good are we doing when we're just hiding? And then evil finds us because we're easy targets. <laughs> they always say it's harder to hit a moving, to, a moving object, a moving target. If you want to make it more difficult for the enemy to get you, get moving. The more you stand around, the easier it is for you to pick off. God planned for you to be moving. I found this to be interesting as I read this. Even in circumstances such as abuse and betrayal, hiding and and denial just keep us in the victim cycle. When we refuse to come out from a bad situation... We maintain a victim mentality over and over. The enemy would love for us to stay there. I have spoken with with, uh, individuals who were in abusive relationships. and, And they were delivered from them and they went back to them because they did not know how to survive outside of that abusive situation we must become so uncomfortable with all of the things that are going on to where we are unwilling to stay there any longer. See, when we quit hiding and go to the top of the hill and face the enemy, here's three quick things that we get to do. Number four, one, we confront the character issues within ourselves. Not three things. It's, it's one thing. It's we confront the character issues within ourselves. See, I think that is probably one of the greatest things about coming out of hiding is we start actually dealing with the character issues inside. Why are you in hiding? What is keeping you in the background? <laughs> out of the war, out of the fight, out of service. Why are you hiding? Not everybody has a, a reason. It may not be a good reason, but it's a reason. We have these things that we have bought into. These lies that we have believed. I, I've had people tell me time and time again, "Well, I'm just not qualified. I'm not gifted. I, I can't speak. I can't. Man, I hear so many I can't. I'm not a very forceful person, but there are times every time I hear and I can't, I just want to shake them. It's like, seriously? I, I was probably the least qualified person in my Bible college to graduate and ever become a speaker. But it wasn't about my qualifications. And here's the thing, I never developed the ability to sing, to play an instrument, or to clap. I up here, I even tried it today, I was going, all of a sudden I was on, either everybody else was off or I was, so I figured it was me. So I had to quit. I had to realize that that's just, I may want to, I've wanted to play piano and sing, I've taken lessons. You know, when your teacher quits, then you know that you should probably not do it. But it's not about what I felt my giftings and qualifications were. The fact that God said, I called you. I set you apart. Gideon was hiding (laughs) in a wine press. And the angel of the Lord, after sitting for a period of time, and I'm sure he already knows the message he's come to bring, and he's probably thinking to himself, God told me to come and call this man a mighty man of valor. And he's hiding in a wine press. I'm just going to wait. Maybe there's something that I'm not seeing here. And after a while he realized, nope, this is the best it's going to get right now. So I guess I need to step out and bring the message. Hey, Gideon, I see you. Oh, mighty man of valor. Now in the next couple of weeks we're going to go into a little bit more of Gideon's life because we're going to see who he developed to be because of the call of God. See and that's the great thing about it is Gideon's story didn't stop here. This is just the beginning. And your story doesn't start here. This is just the beginning. I don't care if you've walked with God 30 years. If you've walked with God 30 years and you've only sat in one place in the church, man you're just at the beginning god has so much more for you not only for you to to experience but for you to do you know we we are we are christians who are supposed to be about the father's business See, a Christian is a little Christ. And Jesus said that I didn't do anything of my own accord, that everything I do, everything that I say, is what I hear the Father saying, it's what I see the Father doing. Now, if you're going to say that you are a Christian, that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, it is going to require that you actually do something. You must be a mouthpiece. You must be a a witness Because the Scripture says that we are to be a witness. Now, that is more about living out the lifestyle of Christ and influencing those around us than it is about us fulfilling a certain job requirement. So God wants you to do something with that which you've experienced. In Sunday school, we were speaking about the reality that your testimony is the greatest witness that God has given you to influence all of those around you. We were talking about the man who had, uh, had been filled with all these uh, demons, and Jesus came along and delivered him. and and the demons came out of him and filled 2,000 pigs, and the 2,000 pigs ran into the ocean. And then this, this man who, you know, wanted to follow Jesus, Jesus said, no, I want you to go back to your village. And the villages that he went back to that had run Jesus and the disciples off who had rejected the message that Christ came to bring, this, this man who had been delivered God sent him back to his villages. And the next time Scripture says Jesus came back into the area, all those people that had previously run him off came out there to hear the message that Jesus came to project. And it's because that God sent an unqualified man that the only thing he had to go on was what God did for him. You don't need anything else other than what God did for you. Now, I trust me, you need to become a student of God's Word. But what you need to understand is when you begin to to study God's Word, God's Word becomes part of who you are, and it begins to flow out of you in the midst of situations when you need it. Scripture says that you don't need to worry about what you're going to say, that at the right time, in the right moment, that the Holy Spirit will bring back to your remembrance all of those things that I've taught you. So He's bringing back those things that He's taught us. That means you have to study. There is no osmosis in the kingdom of God. You can't just have a Bible in your house and think that you are qualified. No, you have to know it. Read the Word of God. Study to show yourself approved. A workman who needeth not be ashamed. It's God's Word that we begin to Allowed to apply to our lives that when we read it and consume it, even as Jeremiah said, Thy word did I find and did I consume, and thy word became to me the joy and rejoicing of my soul. God's word so transformed the life of Jeremiah that it became his strength and his sustenance. Everything about his life began to change because God's word changed him. Gideon was a man hiding in a wine press when God showed up but that's just the beginning I am so excited for you to hear next week I could almost go there right now but you need to wait but today I want you to understand that it's time for you to come out of hiding it's time for you to get out of the wine press and see what God will do with you let's pray Father, I thank You for Your Word. Your Word is true. The things that You have shared to Your disciples, to Your people that have written those words down for us to impart to us Your truth, those words have transformed us. They've changed us. They've renewed us. And today we apply those truths to our life. Today we realize that You've called us to come out of this habit, this process of following You and then turning away and going back to the things that You delivered us out of. You're calling us to walk differently, to live differently, to say no to those things that have been part of our past that You've delivered us from, and to walk into a a new future, a destined future, a new hope. It's what You're calling us into that matters what you called us out of is our testimony what you're calling in, us into is part of that destiny that that process of you, us becoming who you've called us to be and in the midst of us doing that father i know that you're going to help us to even have a greater testimony because the things that god will do through us even though we may not be the most qualified The most gifted. The most talented. But we're the ones who said yes. Because you are looking for men and women who are willing to say yes. Even as you were declaring in the book of Isaiah, who will go for me? Who will I send? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. God, Your Word is declared over us today. Who will go and do that which You've called us to do? Father, I pray that each one here will say, yes, Lord, here am I. Send me. Let me become that one that takes Your message to the lost, to the dying, to the disillusioned, the disheartened. Help me to be that one to bring a message of hope and restoration and redemption to my neighborhood. To my family, to my workplace. Father, help me to come out of hiding, to come out into the light, to walk into the process of becoming who you've called me to be. This morning, that may be you. That may be the the description of who you are today is a man of hiding that you today identify with Gideon that you've lived in fear of what someone else was going to take from you that you've lived in fear of what you had to lose And it's caused you to evaluate yourselves in such a poor way, in such a judgmental way that has taken from you the literal life that God has given to you. And so if that's you today, I'm just going to invite you wherever you're seated at, just to stand. And by standing, you're making a decision that you're no longer going to stay in the hiding. So if it is if you found recognition in Gideon for your life that you find a person who you identify with that you were living in fear but you're not willing to stay there any longer you want to change how you live I'm going to invite you to stand wherever you're at just stand and we're going to pray over you here today. We're going to pray that God would empower you to live differently. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, you know the heart of each man, each woman, each child, each young person. I do pray, Father, that we would not be people who are good at hiding, but people who are convinced that You have a plan and a purpose for us to do and accomplish for You. Father, You know each heart, each soul. I pray today that Your light would shine in darkness, revealing those things that the enemy has continued to speak into those that have been in hiding so that they can come out, realizing that You have a plan and a purpose for them. I pray your blessing on each one, and we ask for this in your name. Amen. We're going to pray over our offering. I invite you to stand with us. Our offering prayer is going to be up on the screen. There will be one passage of Scripture that will follow it. Let us pray together. As I give in today's offering, I rejoice in the Lord and in the power of the Holy Spirit. I rejoice in good times and in bad times. I rejoice when I have abundance and when there is lack. I rejoice at all times and in every season. For God works in the darkness and in the light, in the valley and on the mountaintop. Although I may endure sufferings and trials, I have decided to stand on my ground of faith. I give today joyfully, liberally, sacrificially, knowing my God is faithful." Psalm 511, But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing joyful praises forever. Spread your protection over them, that all who love your name be, may be filled with joy. God bless you. Thank you, ushers. Remember our meeting downstairs for those that are willing to be part of our VBS or help set up today. Maybe just to hear what God is doing in the midst of it. We invite you to come and to be part. Um, please, if you're interested in the Discovery, uh, Discover School of Ministry, talk to Pastor Nancy or myself. Uh, it is going to be an amazing time. Uh, for those that live close to each other, we can even set up a carpool where you guys will come over together. And eventually, we'll probably have a, a campus here at the church but in this beginning stage, we're going to be meeting together over in Clayton area. So God bless you. love on one another.